This is the 114th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Burhetz. With me are my dear co-hosts, Robinson Sien and Christopher Wikström. We are also joined by a guest, Ola Roxendal. Extra welcome and warm welcome to you, dear listener. Hello, everybody, and welcome, Ola. Yeah, hello. Welcome. Thank you, and uh, welcome, all listeners. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found whenever we release on the Top Decked app. And might I say, that is so very nice to have you with us here, Ola. For those in our community who might not know you well, please do tell us when did you start playing Legacy and what do you usually sleeve up? So I started playing around 2017. It was uh, after the Tapa ban, but it was before Deathrite and uh, Probe got and got the axe. The first deck that I bought into was Dead Guy Ale, was playing Stoneforge Mystic, the cheap dual lands, the scrub lands back in the days. And then I quickly moved uh, moved on from that and started playing blue, some Jeskai Stoneblade, went on to Grixis Delver before I kind of found my field, which was green-based decks. I like uh, mid-range decks with a combo finish. Ooh. The absolute favorite deck that I've ever played was um, Aluren. That's my pet deck. We have a fine taster. <laughs> yes, yes. Unfortunately, with the prevalence of the Orcish Bowmasters and now also the Beans, I think that that deck's a little bit hard to reach. Yeah, like Bowmaster was the first... It's very hard to play like Strixes and Quattles and like have that grinding power. And then it just got worse when the Beanstick, like a control deck, could outgrind you now. It just made the deck feel very shaky in the meta. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you want to play a and I one, also one post binding. Yeah, post yeah, binding as well. And I mean you want to play one one cantrippers with with death touch death touch. That's what you want to do. But when you have a bean in play that draws a card every time someone plays a force of will or something like that, it becomes really hard to get ahead. Because before I thought that the control matchup was quite favored because you, you were cantripping and drawing more cards, but now when you're outdrawn it's you can't just do it. And the Bowmasters, when that was spoiled as well, I thought that would slip right into the deck. But unfortunately, it also was a good player against the deck as well. So yeah. So now I'm on the yeah. Green White X Depths train, where right. uh, the deck that I played most of last year to kind of good success as well. So so I've been taking that to all the larger tournaments, and then in between, I've been trying out the Bug Beans deck as well, which is uh, really fun. Super fun. Yeah. yeah, like with the Stifles and Daces. I think we released an episode today where I had a parallel that it felt like playing some sort of Canadian threshold. But instead of a goif, you play this beanstalk card. And it's like <laughs> your game plan is so different. But at the same time, whenever you stifle a fetch early, you feel like a million bucks. So Ola, you hail from Malmö, southern city, third largest in the country. What is the legacy scene like down there? It's impressive to be uh, in a city of the size of Malmö. We have a regular Thursday at our LGS. We're constantly around... 12 to 16 players which is really good and uh, there's a lot of regulars but there are also some newcomers that drop in then and there as all people say about their local communities it's great people to hang around with and play some magic with but outside of that we do have a recurring tournament series as well called the it's a legacy which we're trying to get some traction for it's played at a local pizzeria called pizzeria rex what we in sweden would call a sunk 
which is quite nice. The best places. Yeah, the best places. So cheap beer, good pizza. We don't pay anything for playing the tournament there, but part of the entrance fee goes to a pizza. So there's a lunch break with a pizza. Good place to hang around on as well. We also do promos. We're proxy friendly on, on the tournament because it's in a pizzeria with a beer. So uh, and we also want people to be able to come and play. So both old comers that might not have all the new cards in stock, but also some youngsters that just can't buy a legacy deck. We want them to be able to come and play there as well. We have two kids that uh, I think they started playing around there when they were 12, 13, and they're still going strong. So that's, that's great. We do promos as well. So uh, you get a participation promo. I've seen some of those promos. They look really cool. I've seen the Orchid Bowmaster, yeah, uh, Swedish. Version. Yeah, we're we're doing a top eight promo this time around. It's called Dunkel Ritual. <laughs> it's a Swedish translation of Dark Ritual. So we're doing that, and then we're doing Wasteland as a participation promo. That is fantastic. If you want to check out the the tournament and the promos for that, in that case, you can go into www.pizzalegacy.com. We have uh, all the dates and information up there, and we also have all the promos that are available. And if you win, you get a custom token as well. Great, great. Well, again, super nice to have you here. And as you know, as our listeners uh, too, we are a Paper Legacy podcast. So let's get into talking about what happened last Thursday, both in Stockholm and Malmö. Gonna hand it over to you, Robin, first. What did you play and how did you fare? Well, I uh, played the Beans deck that I've been playing the last couple of Thursdays. I went two, one, and one. So not the most exciting results. And it was quite a grind fest for me. In the first match, I was up against the exact mirror, like both on sort of TK versions with Catherine's. I lost horribly both games. It all comes down to who plays most beans the fastest (laughs) and who can like handle the other player's beans. And it wasn't me this time. And in the second match, I was up against another bean deck, but this one was a little bit more spicy. I think that maybe Christopher was talking about it the other day. It's a replenish bean deck, so it plays a lot of enchantment that would go into the graveyard eventually, and then replenish just bring them all back. I lost the first game where he just outgrinded me, but in the second and third game where I had some sideboard cards, surgical extraction for one, just to take down the power level of the replenish. I could fight back and win the, the second and third game. And then I was up against Lance. So you hear <laughs> that the, <laughs> the grind fest continues. This first game was so grindy because he naturally drawn two Ursa Saga and fetched up a third one with one of his maps. I had the force of negation for his loam, so we couldn't recur them anymore, but I had to to deal with all those saga tokens. And he also had a maze for my Merktide, so I couldn't finish him quickly. But eventually I got a lot of beans into play. I think I had two on the battlefield and started playing Catherines as blockers <laughs> and attackers <laughs> and life gainers and all of that. And like they block and die, but they come back eventually. And I managed to cross the finish line with only five cards left in the deck. Wow. <laughs> we had played for 35 minutes or something like that. So it was not a lot of time to to play the final game. But we started it out 
and he completely choked me <laughs> <laughs> for speed <laughs> for speed and just managed to win that game oh wow no it was like one minute or something left on the clock when we were one and one so it was a draw against Lance I, mean, I think he played three chokes or something like that because the meta is really blue and red <laughs> right now so I can see him doing that and then the final game I was up against the food chain the rug version with a little squee. He didn't really get anything going. I had my beanstalks in play. I kept up both counter magic and bindings to just interact with eventual food chain and then just beat down with Merc Tights. So I managed to win that one. So it was a good evening with a lot of magic being played, but <laughs> <laughs> very grindy games and maybe not best record. Great value for your money and slept really sound when you finally got home, I guess. Yeah. So, Victor, what did you play? Yeah, I went back with my mono greenish version of 12 post or 10 well, 14 posts, depending on how you count these days. it's You have more <laughs> lands to copy things in the graveyard and I don't know. However, post. Too many posts. Too many posts. That's what my opponents like to say. It was an evening of, let's just say, things keep feeling swingy with this deck. So in the first round, I met blue-black and splash-green for sideboard cards. So essentially blue-black show and tell or blue and black omni tell i should say and wow this was a difficult matchup because they play thought and it turns out thought is a good card against this deck my opponent could basically just pick my hand apart and go for it i did manage to stall things when they knew they had the choice sort of do i want to discard emrakul or ulamog <laughs> which of course are cards <laughs> i don't usually want to draw early in the game and i did and at that particular time it was sort of you know useful because they were like oh i'll just play a land and pass i'm like this is not a combo deck. <laughs> but eventually they managed to get me. And in the second game, sort of things just didn't really pan out for me at all. I felt I had very little to do <laughs> in this in this matchup. I haven't played against show and tell, only tell versions before with mono green posts. So there might be configurations of sideboards or just general sequencing that I'm sort of I'm missing. But it felt hard. The thought seasons felt really good. Pretty quick 0-2 in the first match then in the second round i proceeded to play the opponent i played in the second round the week before as well the june natural order and things played out just more or less as they did the last time i got pretty much smoked by this deck as well i did sort of feel after the match that i had kept suboptimal hands and still really learning how to mulligan properly with this deck but it's also it's hard when the when the natural order comes down and puts the crater hoof into the battlefield and just sort of smash in there isn't a lot for me to do when that's happening unless i have sort of exactly crop rotation for the things i need but this is a deck that also plays discard so those cards were not in my hand when they needed to be but are you playing glacial chasm in your iteration yeah yeah yeah, yeah. of okay. course but they play wasteland then in the third round sort of with a swing <laughs> I played one of my at least game one very best matchups Painter and they like sort of get their things going and they're like yeah Grindstone and, and Painter and Milieu and I'm like starting to hum a little song sort of milling one card after the other and they're like you do know I'm gonna mill your deck I'm like sure sure we'll see and, <laughs> and then they're like <laughs> oh wait what are you milling oh oh no ah uh, I see ah uh, oh sure let's go to game two because this is not gonna go anywhere for me and I'm like no it's not and then we have a super fun really grindy game too my opponent puts me down to two life before I start doing anything 
And I get to see, I haven't really witnessed the sort of power of the dragon engine shenanigans that this deck can do. They can draw so many cards in so many weird ways. And it's just overwhelming, literally, for me. Because, I mean, for the first couple of turns, I don't really do much. So I get into this defensive position where I start putting Glacial Chasm on the table, copying it at the right moment to sort of not needing to pay too much life to stay alive. I think I get a ring down sort of in, in one turn. Eventually, after quite some time, I put Ulamog on the table and start attacking. And after the second attack, my opponent has drawn so many cards that sort of the milling 20 just sort of puts all of their remaining deck (laughs) in the graveyard. And I just pass turn and win (laughs) 2-0. But that second game took at least 25 minutes. The board was so cluttered. I felt sort of all the time being a fairly new player still with the deck there's so many things i can go i can do wrong here because i don't really know what i'm doing but uh <laughs> got there in the end you're getting there yeah 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 you know I, in the end I, I at least i sort of after a while figured out this is my game plan i'm gonna sort of deck them with ulamog but it had to get there first so it was super tight and then in the last round super quick 2 against Blue Red Delver, which just stomped me. And it these like double blind flipped Delver, he, these are my wastelands type of things. I don't know if it was a blind flip. They probably set it up like three turns earlier. I just don't know. But it, it felt like things really went their way and not my way. That was that. So 1-3. But I went home happy because the deck is still super fun to play. I'm just sort of, I'm now, I think I've sort of, I've figured out the good matchups. Now I just need to figure out how to play the deck in a suboptimal environment, which I would say would be the majority of opponents. So more learn to play to come. Christopher, you were out for this Thursday. Sad for us to not see you there, but instead, at the same time in another city, Ula, what did you play? I played uh, a deck where I wanted to guarantee a good result with, because we're nearing the end of our league play. Down in Malmö, we count the five best placements during the season. And I had one pesky six-pointer that I want to get rid of to kind of get ahead in the race. So I brought Absandeps which is uh, my go-to deck when I when I want to be not that I want not when I want to win but when I want to go do a good result <laughs> so I know that it, it can generate a 3-1 or something like that sure I sit down face my round one opponent I'm on the play I think I play reclaimer go and he plays a uh, turn one seasoned engineer I'm like ah this isn't good because this is not my favorite matchup. And yeah, I lost that game quite quickly. Game two, mold on to five. I need to keep a hand with some greens on Senates and nothing else really happening there. My opponent goes turn one, seasoned engineer. <laughs> whoops. Yep, whoops. That's where I start zero one. Uphill battle, need to win the three other games to 
get a good result. So around two, I face a five-color control player, and we've had a couple of bouts. We're both in the top of the league fighting for position, and I think that he, he has a better record against me than I have against him. So I know that it's an uphill battle, and control isn't my favorite game to play when I have uh, the depths list either, especially not with the plethora of removal they have nowadays. But I actually managed to squeeze this one out. It doesn't start well because the first game I end at 21 when I scoop and uh, I haven't done it four. And then I've written Terminus with large letters in the notepad that I have. So <laughs> oh, it's, it's not what you want to see. You know, nibble them down and then they then get you with the Terminus. But then in game two, I'm, uh, I board in thought seizes. I usually don't do that against control, but I thought I'm my, I want to go for a Hail Mary pass, so I might try it out. And I actually get to Thought Seize away, I think it's his counter magic or his removal, and then stick a Bowmaster that goes all the way. He has to start cantripping towards the end, and the Orc token gets me over the finish line. And then in game three, I managed to get the hard lock on the five color beans deck. And the way to get the hard lock is that you have both Garak Teague and Ulleroda or Sylvan Safekeeper in play. Mm, that's nice. Which turns off everything. And after the game, he said that he boarded out his dress downs for the last game oh. as well, uh, which meant that he, he had no Can't outs. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> I had all the lands in the world as well. I managed to squeeze out a win, and that was good. And then in game three, I um, face Death and Taxes. And Death and Taxes is one of these uh, matchups uh, where I feel more favored after adding Orcish Bowmasters to the deck than I did before, because you get to ping out so many of his one toughness creatures. For sure, for sure. He plays Italia, no problem. The, uh, Mother of Runes, uh, we can take that one as well. The Flicker Wisp, no problem for that as well. And that's kind of what, ha- what happens in the game. In the, the first round, he managed to add the Canopic Swarm. I don't know if that's the exact name of the card, but that exiles lands from the graveyard and creates 1-1 flyers. So when I'm down at around 10 life, he gets in 5-1-1 flyers, but I have a Grist out and a Flipped Liberator. So uh, I start picking off those tokens before they manage to finish, get, get over the finish line. I think I Bowmaster out the last one as well. And then, then after that, he's out of cards. So I, I managed to get over the finish line there as well. And then in game two, he mulls twice, I mulls once. And if Death and Taxes mulls twice, and you have Bowmasters and cards that add to the board at the same time as they handle his permanents, you're quite good you're off. You're very favored there. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have to sort of plowshares his Kaldra token twice, but you still feel good because you get to handle the only threat that's that's actually a threat in the game. So that's good. Round four, playing for the the 3-1, which uh, will put me in the top of the league. So uh, I hope for a good matchup and I get to face Rugdelver, which is a good matchup for depth strategies traditionally. The first game, I made a quick Merit Lage. He, he doesn't have any anything against that, so I managed to swoop over the finish line there. And then in game two, we trade a little bit. I... I never pressure his life total, but I add to the board. Not that many creatures. He kind of handles them. And then he lands a flip Delver, a Merc Tide, and a Delver that's going to flip. He reveals the Force of Will. So I make a Merit Lage in response. And I hope for my only top deck, which is my one-off Sejiri step to kind of sail in for the victory. And uh, I top deck it. Hey! (laughs) One out of 51 cards or something like that. So I felt uh, it was a little cheesy because he kind of 
have played me in that game, but you take those as well. The card is in the deck. Sometimes you gotta rip the right card to to be on top. You gotta rip exactly. Can I ask you about the configuration? Are you uh, are you running any Legolas quick reflexes, and uh, what's your stance on civil library? I run two libraries and I'll run two reflexes. The libraries are kind of a must. We have a very blue meta down in Malmo, so I need some way to get ahead of cards. I bore them out in the non-blue matchups usually, or at least the, the quick ones, but I, I need something that allows me to kind of fill up my hand. And then on the quick reflexes, I've tried the card out a couple of times. I'm not 100% sure it's supposed to be in the deck right now. One is in there instead of a Sejiri step and one is in a flex slot. Previously, I've thought that they were kind of lackluster, but this league, they, they did a lot of work. In the Death and Taxes matchup, for example, he landed on a Yorion that I was able to go and fetch some lands with my Knight of the Reliquary, untap it, and then fetch another land and kill it with quickly reflexes so that was kind of sweet oh that's nice they, they've grown on me and i'm going to continue to run them a little while longer at least until they release a new broken land hopefully that i can put in the lands, lands package there but i also tried the new copy land in the graveyard and that was also good in the league as well i i had some glacial chasm action as you had as well victor yeah, yeah, yeah. it was when a card like that is unknown it becomes a bit of ah, i gotcha I only do it once but still exactly and it's also very uh good to not have to active activate your thespian stage for two mana to be able to copy a land as well well cool so uh, when is the finals now on thursday is the last round of the league i'm three points ahead of three people that are chasing behind so the one of us that uh, manages to go four zero or get 12 points will take the league and if none of us do i'll probably win so i'm holding my thumbs well so are we one reason we brought you here was, of course, to get some live action reports from Pizza Legacy, which is something that the three of us really need to make into a road trip. We just need to make that happen. But also, we wanted to talk to you about you are a European Legacy Masters rep for Sweden, the ELM. And perhaps if we have people who have joined the Legacy community since last year, could you perhaps tell us uh, what the ELM is, if there are any new figurations for the ELM this year, and where you can qualify in Sweden? I will, and uh, that's true. I'm I'm one of two reps uh, in Sweden right now. The ELM stands for the European Legacy Masters. It's a community-driven format, so it's a standalone from Wizards of the Coast, and it's run once per year in Bologna, parallel to the Four Seasons tournaments that they run there. It's in September. The date isn't final yet. It's going to be one of the weeks there, and it's the third time around this time so it's something that's sticky and what they do is that they run qualifiers all over europe and in countries and you get to go down there and represent your country it's also possible to qualify by spiking a large tournament like the eternal weekend that was in prague for example uh, fed one spot and in sweden we have five spots to fill we place two of them on swedish nationals and swedish nationals has already been decided so our two Reps there is Carl Henrik Arhult Westlund, who won with Turbo Smog, and then Hampus Bergqvist, who came second with uh, Lance. So two spots are filled, but three are at large. Uh, those qualification tournaments are going to be run now during spring. The first one is going to be at Gothcon, somewhere in the Easter holiday. 
probably the 29th, but uh, the date there isn't final yet. And the winner of that tournament will get a spot. And then we are running a tournament down in Skåne as well called Ödesund Magic. It's going to be the 12th of May. It's going to be on a boat as well with Whoa. restaurant and everything wow. so if you want to pay some <laughs> boat magic just come down there we're gonna do that one proxy friendly in the spirit of the elm we understand that a lot of the tournament organizers that run our wizards affiliates and therefore can't run the tournaments proxy friendly but because we're going to run it kind of standalone we're going to do that and if you qualify for the elm as well you can play proxies down there as well or the uh Edison magic tournament as well the first prize isn't just going to be an elm spot it's also going to be money for tickets and hotel as well because we really want to lower the barrier for the person who wins to to go down to bologna in september and play and a captain's hat yes and a captain's hat as well and then we have one more tournament which isn't decided where to be right now we want to place it in stockholm because of the size of the city or stockholm or around stockholm as well because we it's only fair that they they get a or you get a, a tournament as well we haven't found anyone who wants to run the tournament yet so please do reach out if you're interested a bonus point is of course if some of the prices could be paid out for hotel and travel as well and if you're able to run a proxy friendly as well to kind of get in the elm spirits our dms are open so it's just to contact us and Christopher, you qualified last year, didn't you? Yeah, I was one of the, I think, five spots then as well, because uh, out of nowhere, Truk is was in the chat, which is great. Yeah, it was it was great, like a great community, proxy friendly, well run tournament overall. So yeah, it was great. Also great going to Bologna in the autumn when it's like starting to get really cold here and it was like 30 25 degrees down there it's a good experience if you live in sweden or like in europe try and qualify get a spot go meet people i got to talk to the people at uh, the eternal glory podcast oh wait it's that no everyday eternal that's the one which was great and it's just like such a fun experience i think the idea of having travel expenses in the price spot is a really good idea because that would make it a little bit easier to go yeah specifically also for a tournament that is proxy friendly because if it's proxy friendly the greater value for you if you win the tournament is of course to be able to go to the tournament you qualify for you can do with another staple it really sounds really sweet christopher i really want to go as well so uh, what i'm going to try to do now is there's actually a qualified fire in denmark in two weeks so i'm going to try to go down there and snatch one of their places for a gang from malmo traveling over the bridge having a night in copenhagen and trying to see if we can get one of their qualifier spots as well because it's you don't have to be of the nation that you snatch a spot from so you can go down to a tournament in england if you want that that or, or germany and, and try to qualify there as well so the swedish invasion your trip to berlin <laughs> exactly cool good luck with that and on behalf of the uh, stockholm community of course we hope that uh, we'll be able to fix up a final qualifier here and thank you so much for being part of the organizing team for this this is just such a true example of one thing that only happens if people spend a lot of time and energy and grit in order to make something happen and really 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 appreciate that effort so thank you very very much and do please extend our thanks to others who are involved in the swedish 
qualifiers for the ELMs as well. And that is all we have for this episode. We do hope that you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. And if you have suggestions for other guests, please feel free to give suggestions in our Discord. You can find a link in the episode description. Further, I feel that we are not getting enough deck picks in our DMs. So, Robin, how can our listeners solve this problem for you? I am on X under the name Jacka underscore Bo. You can find me at ManolifMTG. And you can find me at Ola Roxendal on X as well. And I am there as Disco Drogo. And that is the end of the 114th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson C. And Christopher Wikström. Extra thanks to Ola Roxendal for joining us. I am Victor Bernhard. Many thanks to you for listening. The artist who has composed our melodies is Frenes. You can find more of their work on Spotify. And until the next episode, visit the correct ELM Street or Nightmares are guaranteed. Thank you.